Thank you. I have a little handout if I can just start it here. And if you wouldn't mind just taking off the top, and I'll tell you why after you get your copy. It is a real pleasure to be here with you. I want to thank Mr. Gray for this opportunity. I uh, really appreciate your pastor. I appreciate the wisdom that God has given him. And I respect him. I value his advice. Yes, I have asked him for advice. And I also value his input because he um, thinks about the current scene and how to apply the Bible. And I love to hear that from the next generation. I, I need that interaction to help me apply the word. And uh, some of the next generation will talk to me and some won't, <laughs> but he will. <laughs> and. And uh, I appreciate him so much. It's wonderful to see what God is doing here at Fellowship, the, the growth numerically and spiritually uh, through the years. It's wonderful to see what God is doing up at the camp, and I appreciate the hospitality of Joe and Anna and Steve and Rhonda. And uh, just really refreshing for me to be here to fellowship with the pastors. And uh, Pastor Greg was willing to take me hiking yesterday. I would feel entirely cheated if I flew all the way to Utah and stayed inside a building. I think there's something wrong about that. And uh, to be able to get out and to be able to just enjoy what God has here is just amazing. And uh, I, I look forward to it. And when I was coming out, I knew I was going to be speaking. And I, I said, Lord, I just have one personal request. Can I just go hiking while I'm there? I know we'll be busy, but can I have a little bit of time to do that? And so the Lord answered that prayer. And uh, it, it really is refreshing to me. I want to uh, start a lesson today, and I have no illusions about finishing it. So we'll just go as far as we can go and, and trust the Lord with that. And you'll see when you get uh, the copy of, of the outline there that we have a lot of scriptures. And so... Do we have enough copies for everyone? Okay. I'm sorry. I have more copies. I brought what I thought was enough. I have more out in the car if you need them. Um, the reason why I gave you each a copy and asked you to take it off the top is when you open it up, you're going to see one scripture verse highlighted. And I'm going to ask you to read that aloud when we get to that part. If you prefer not to read it out loud, give it to your neighbor and he can read or she can read two verses. If, I mean, that's fine. It doesn't matter if you don't like to read aloud. But um, since we have a lot of scriptures to cover here, uh, I would really appreciate your help. And what I want to think about and talk about this morning, you can see in the title there is the genius of the local church. And I want to explain what I mean by that. I am not giving God a compliment because God doesn't need my compliment. I am referring to the incredible wisdom of God in his design in the local church. And to think about the wisdom of God in planning an organization from eternity past that we are part of today and believers around the world are part of. And it is a universal organization as well as a local organization. And it is obviously God that does this. And so I want us to just meditate a little bit about this. But I wanted to start out, <clears throat> if I could, and I hope to get through this fairly quickly, 
But I wanted to start it out this way. Critics of the local church are legion. It's not just a particular local church that is the target, but the whole idea of church in general is minimized today, as if it is an option, as if it is one of the many choices that Christians have, and we can choose to identify with the local church, or we can make our spiritual connection some other way, with a blog or uh, a TV ministry or whatever the options are. Um, and so there are many critics that really just view the church as an optional part of the Christian life. I don't believe God views it that way. Men conveniently forget that the church is not a human idea. It is God's idea. Man did not invent the church for religious purposes. God called out the church for his purposes. As such, did God have a good idea, or is it an idea that has seen its day and we need to move on? So many ideas today are put aside. So many ideas that were given for a long time have now been discarded because we are in a brave new age. Is the church one of those ideas that has seen its day and we need to do church point two or church point three or wherever we are, you know? We have a, a day of designer worship where men decide what worship works for them. And so I believe we need to come to a fresh appreciation of the church as God intended it, not as the critics portray it. We need to see the genius of the concept of the local church. We need to marvel at the local church as the instrument of God in this age. Now, before we begin with what the word teaches, I want to mention by way of contrast some of the criticisms of the local church that we often hear. We often hear, Criticisms of the failures of the local church. There's the failure of the men of the church. I've heard so many times I've been hurt by a pastor or somebody in a church has hurt my feelings. And we fail to understand that, yes, even though there are many failures in the ministry and many things that should not happen in churches, biblically, uh, just because, for example, there's a bad husband or a bad father does not mean we throw out the institution of marriage. We don't conclude it's a bad institution because of those who don't fulfill it biblically. And the same thing with the church. But I've known people who have chucked the church because of bad actors in it. And I don't think that's God's way. Some criticize the failure of the mission of the church. I had a man tell me one time the institutional church is a failure as far as reaching the lost. And so he said, if we're going to reach the lost, we have to go through parachurch organizations. He believed that sincerely. But I don't believe that's God's plan. God is still reaching the lost through us, through the local church. But some people turn to seminars, to various movements, to home Bible studies, you name it. Some criticize the size of the local church, and this you know, runs the gamut. Some people say it's too small. There's not enough programs, there's not enough activities. I want a Walmart church that has everything I want at one spot so that I can get it all at once. And oddly enough, there's the opposite criticism, it's too large. It's too institutional, it's too rigid, I'm lost, in, I'm just a cog in a machine, uh, there's no room for the spirit to work, uh, a home church is more New Testament, we've heard all of, the, all of the criticisms of that. Some criticize the teaching of the local church. The church is not relevant. Uh, and by that, many times they're saying it's not on the cutting edge of pop culture. It's not addressing what people think are the, are the pressing 
urges or urgent needs of the day. And we're overlooking the fact that the word of God is always relevant to every person at every stage of their life in any place that they live. That's the automatic relevance of what God has to say to mankind. We don't have to make it relevant. It is. We just have to, if you will, speak it, unleash it. It, it just is relevant. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't understand our culture. Don't get me wrong. But anyway, another criticism is the church is not meeting my needs. I feel like I need X, Y, and Z to be happy. But the fact of the matter is God designed the church to tell me what my true needs are. So I don't even know what my real needs are until I hear the word, right? I think I know what my needs are, and I think what I know what would meet them. And then I come to church, and I find out, wow, those are really not the priority issues as far as God is concerned. I have an eternal soul that if I don't take care of, I'm in eternal peril. And I didn't know that until I heard the word of God came to the church and heard God speak. So uh, the church meets our real needs instead of our perceived needs. Now, some criticize the effectiveness of the church. If I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. Churches are too divided. And behind that <clears throat> is the idea that there's strength in numbers. And we have this idea, if we could just all get together, we could really make an impact. And the fact of the matter is that God has said, it's not by might and not by power, but by my spirit. And you can look throughout scripture and God moved mountains with one. So it's not in the collective force of human beings that is our power, but it is in our obedience to the word of God, whether we are large or small, that is our true power. And then some say churches are too isolated from community needs, and by that they often look to the church to fix everything that is wrong in society, to transform society. But God wants to transform hearts through the church. And when we deal with the heart issues, you know the impact it has. Our families come around to where they need to be, and then our communities are impacted. And so God changes from the inside out. God doesn't impose change on society and so that is why the, ch the church is so key in our, uh, in our time and in every time. Now, all of this, I say all this and I say this is a heavy weight of criticism. You know, we hear all these things and we're just, we're feeling weighed down by this. And then even those of us who love the church sometimes despair for her because we see her problems and imperfections. Just look around at all these imperfect people sitting next to you. <clears throat> but we all know that. Despite all the critics, however, the fact remains that the church is God's institution. And we need to remind ourselves of this truth. We sometimes just see the people and we forget that this is God's institution. And for all God intends to accomplish in this age, and for all that saints need in this age, the church is pure genius. I believe the church is irreplaceable in God's plan. He does not have a plan B. This is it. And I want to make a strong statement. I believe that true spiritual ministry 
cannot be accomplished any better anywhere than in the local church setting. Now, I am not saying my church is the best church. That's a different thing. I am saying that the church is God's chosen institution for this age. So, in order to raise our level of appreciation, I want to make five statements. We'll see how many of them we get through. And the first is this. Teaching the Bible is done best by the local church. Now, again, that often flies in the face of our, our cultural awareness. We often think that something that is good is going to go national, right? I mean, that's sort of our mindset. If you're a really good product, you're going to go national. You aren't going to stay local. You know the, the hokey local commercials? You know the car lot, the, the guy that wears a funny hat and sunglasses and advertises a local car lot versus the slick Chevrolet or Ford commercials, the national commercials. And so we have this idea that anything that is really good is going to go national. And if we aren't careful, then we are going to have this idea, an, an inferiority complex, that any ministry or any Christian minister who has a national reputation is automatically superior to our little local church and our local minister. And that is not the way God looks at it. And I don't think it's the way that we should look at it. Um, it may be true that some of those national men might have a lot of training. They might have a beautiful radio voice that our pastor doesn't have. But those are not the issues, okay? And the reason for this is the Bible is best taught by people you know. Why? Because teaching the Bible is more than head knowledge. It is a life. The most effective teaching is teaching that you can see as well as hear. It is a life that fleshes out teaching, not just a pleasant voice on the radio or the TV. And this can only be done locally. It is possible to know the Bible well and be a kind of a scoundrel, as we know about some of these national ministries sometimes. But you can't get away with that in the local church, can you? Listen to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 and 14. This is the Apostle Paul talking about his teaching. And he says, you have followed my teaching and in the same breath my way of life. And we actually need Bible teaching fleshed out to really understand it. It can be very theoretical until we see people live it. And you can only live it in a local church. You can only see how this looks. I remember when we were raising our children and trying to raise them biblically. We knew the scripture, but we needed to see it done. And we picked out a family in our church who really knew what they were doing. We, we could see they had some track record behind them. And we learned from them how to live out these biblical teachings that were only theory in our minds and in our hearts, though we knew them well. 
And that is the great uh, benefit of the local church. And so Paul says to Timothy, follow what I taught as I lived it out. And of course, you know, verse 14 also refers to Timothy's mother and grandmother as fleshing out the teaching, and he is to follow that teaching. But the Bible is also best taught by people who know you, who know your strengths, your needs, your situation, and can make application to your life. This is part of the genius of the local church. It brings the application of the word right into this community. And that is so helpful to us. Uh, Revelation 2, verses 2 to 4. Now, if you're familiar with the letters to the churches in Revelation, the seven different churches, each one of these churches is a unique church. And if you read those letters in Revelation 2 and 3, you see a unique message to a local congregation that describes both its spiritual strengths and its spiritual weaknesses. And that has a specific application, a word of God, to that local situation. And seven times in those, uh, those chapters, the scripture says, I know your works. And the church at Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamos and Thyatira and Sardis and Philadelphia and Laodicea, they're not interchangeable. They are unique congregations with unique personalities. And the wonderful thing is God knows that and God addresses that. And that is the wonderful thing about a local church ministry. A national ministry must, to some extent, be generic. By that I mean, yes, there is good Bible teaching, but there is very limited application. It has to be sort of a one-size-fits-all application. But your pastor, who lives in your community, who has the same issues and challenges that you have in your community, understands the scripture and applies it into your lives. And this cannot be done in a national uh, ministry. That preacher doesn't know you from Adam. But your pastor knows you by name. And he knows you as an individual. And the burden of his heart is to minister the Bible to your own need. The shepherd knows when the flock needs green pastures, still waters, quiet rest. That's his job. 1 Corinthians 14.3 And 1 Thessalonians 3, 4. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, you know, when I was with you, I was giving you this personal word for your situation, and it prepared you for the next thing that happened. Just as I warned you, there was going to be persecution for your faith. It has come to pass. And so there is that personal understanding of a situation and that application. So it doesn't really matter if my pastor doesn't have a radio voice 
or 10 degrees behind his name, if he knows me and knows the word, he is the best teacher I can have. And I believe that applies to every local church where every, any local pastor is diligently studying the word. I believe that's true. That's God's methodology. We don't need to wish we had someone else's shepherd. God has given us the shepherd of his choosing. And we need to hear his voice and follow his voice. And that's God's plan. And it's just an amazing thing when you think about it. And on top of that, the Holy Spirit works in a unique way in the church gathered. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Now, you know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, when Paul speaks of you being God's temple, he's speaking in you plural. He's speaking about the church. There's also the aspect in chapter 6, that each of us as believers individually are God's temple. But this is the aspect that God's people gathered in a local place and gathered together for the worship of God are the dwelling place corporately of the Spirit of God. When we gather together, this is unlike any other gathering of human beings. It is unlike the Lions Club or the I don't know what the clubs are out here, the civic clubs, whatever they are. It's unlike a community group. It's unlike any civic organization, any political organization, any gathering of people. None of those gatherings is the temple of the Holy Spirit, but this is. And we just take it so for granted. We walk into the gathering of God's people. Many times just taking it for granted and not being aware I, I have just stepped into the temple of the Holy Spirit. Not the building, but the gathering of the saints. And it is an amazing thing. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate teacher. The church gathered is his temple. When the church comes together to attend to the things of God, the Spirit of God works in a unique way. This particular gathering and the teaching that you will hear will never, ever be repeated again. And, and I often used to say to our people, you miss a service, you've missed something you can never regain. I've taught something, I've, I've touched on something, we've been in a, a portion of scripture, or someone has shared something that you will never hear again. It's not going to be repeated. And so there is a certain urgency in the gathering of God's people. And the Holy Spirit works through the pastor. If he's preaching and everybody out here is going, then he stops and backs up and explains. Or as he's preaching, if everybody's saying amen, amen, then he keeps on going. But a radio preacher can't pause and explain himself. A blog can't back up when his audience says, wait, 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 I didn't get that. So the Holy Spirit has an immediacy in his teaching through the teaching of the word of God. And plus the fact, in a local church, there's really nowhere to hide if the word hits home, is there? I mean, if you're, if you're sitting on the other side of a screen and, and the word is convicting you, um, there's a little bit of safety in that because there's a screen and thousands of miles between you and the speaker. And so there's a little bit of comfort 
But that comfort is removed in the local church. I mean, I, I go to church to get convicted. That's why we come. I don't come to church to get a pat on my back to say, oh, man, you're so great. You're just, you're just amazing. I come to hear what God has to say about my life because there is always some growth that I need, always. There is always some victory that I'm seeking. There is always some territory that God wants to claim in my heart. And I come here that God may have his way. And um, you can get convicted by a radio voice, but you can't go forward. You can't give a public testimony. You know, when we get convicted in the service and we say, you know, Pastor, that really convicted me, we have just made ourselves accountable. And that's a good thing. We'll get to that if we have time. But that's a good thing. You can't do that with a national ministry. It's part of the genius of the local church. 1 Corinthians 2, 1, 4, and 5. First Corinthians twelve or two, twelve and thirteen. And the point that Paul is making here is this that good preaching is supernatural. When we focus merely on the human instrument and the gifts and abilities or lack thereof or what we would do differently, we are missing the point that God empowers and uses vessels. And whenever you speak the word of God, the spirit of God is speaking through you and using you. And you are the instrument of God in that moment. You are the vehicle whereby God's word is touching someone else's life. And in the church, God uses the pastor to do that. And it is a supernatural event. This is not just the natural course of events. This is God at work. And we need to recognize this. And you know God is never limited by our human abilities or inabilities. The Spirit of God is able to take a willing vessel and accomplish whatever it is he chooses to do. So there is no better institution for teaching than the local church. It doesn't mean that we can't do a better job and work on improving. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying there's no better construct for doing this. This is God's idea. And the second thing that we want to look at this morning is accountability. Is done best by the local church. Now, accountability can often be considered a bad word. We really don't like that. We don't want other people's nose in our business kind of a thing. We are all independent. And, and certainly our culture teaches us that, you know, you do you, I do me, it's none of your business. And, and that's not the way God looks at it. What I do in my life is very much God's business. <laughs> I mean, he owns me. He bought me with his blood. It's very much his business. And he has made it the church's business. And so Accountability is a positive spiritual concept. Accountability is essential 
to maintaining an authentic Christian life. Without church accountability, I would go off the rails. And you would too. It happens all the time. And without proper accountability, church leadership would go off the rails. You see, this works both ways. God puts accountability. He builds it into the DNA of his church as a good thing. So let's start at the top. There's the accountability of the preacher to the people. 2 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. about transparency, but look at the Apostle Paul here. The great Apostle Paul is making himself accountable to the churches that he founded. He is making himself accountable to the saints he taught. And in Galatians, he makes himself accountable to the degree that he says to them, if I come back to you and change my message, don't listen to me. I have given you the gospel given to me from heaven. I have given it to you accurately. If I come back and alter that message, then do not listen. Now that is real accountability from one who was greatly used of God. And so in his own preaching, in his own life, he did not hold himself as the exception. He was an example, but he was not the exception. Beware of leadership that views themselves as the exception to what they are preaching and what they are teaching. We look to leadership to live what they preach and teach. And Paul's aim was to be authentic, genuine. 2 Corinthians 13, 6. And of course, this is the test of being genuine. This is the test of being believable. And part of what the local church does is it expects believability, authenticity, not perfection, but believability, credibility from its leadership. That's why when a local church chooses leadership, one of the issues is credibility, not perfection. But is there a credible life? Is there a credible testimony? Is there a consistent life? And that person will listen to them. They're growing like we are, but there's a credibility that we can follow. Uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 4 and 7. This is voluntary accountability. This is humble servant leadership. And I am thankful for every pastor who understands this truth. And every pastor who understands this truth is a true blessing to his flock. And I believe that you are blessed. 2 Corinthians 1.24 that philosophy of ministry just in one verse not that we lord it over your faith we are not your overlords we do not act in an authoritarian manner but we work with you for your joy now that's not 
we work to please every desire of your heart. Paul is speaking about your joy in the Lord. We work with you that you may find your ultimate satisfaction and fulfillment and joy in the Lord. We work with you that that may be your benefit ultimately from our ministry. For you stand firm in your faith. You who are believers are anchored on the rock who is Christ. You are secure in him. And we want that security to be part of your understanding so that you can find the joy of it. Now, all of this accountability works on the local level. You know where your pastor lives. You know his wife. You know his kids. You know he doesn't have a mansion and a private airstrip. And you know that he doesn't have a slush fund. That many of these, some of these, I'll say, very famous preachers are quite guilty of it. You, the you know he lives with you. That is what a shepherd does, right? A shepherd just spends his time with the flock, not in some castle on the hill. This is mutual ministry. The preacher makes the church, but many a church has made the preacher. Spurgeon said that one of the secrets of his powerful ministry was a group of godly men who met under the pulpit and prayed while he preached. It's an amazing thing. You know you can make or break these services, whether or not you come with a prayerful heart. And the power of God operating in these services many times is in proportion to the expectation and the prayers of the flock. It is not just the pastor's duty to bring the power of God to bear. We come seeking And we pray that God would speak through his servant and that God would teach us and touch our hearts and transform us through his servant. And God is pleased to answer that prayer. Well, I was right in my prophecy. I have no illusions of finishing this. But I hope just these few little glimpses, and if you are so inclined, you can take this home and thoughtfully read through the scriptures and understand a little more about this miracle of the church that we so often take for granted, but which really is the fingerprint of God on earth. That's what this is. And it's a privilege to be a part of it. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the wonder of the local church. Lord, we know we are just people of flesh, full of faults and failures and failings weaknesses and inadequacies, but your church is a magnificent institution. And through it, you have purpose to get glory in yourself. So may you receive the glory through this local church that you intend to receive. Bless the pastor, bless this flock. May they grow together to reflect the glory of their Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' name.